0: Well, welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. I am Silas Forster, your host, uh, ready to have another very simple down-to-earth conversation with my very new friend, Matt (laughs) Owen. Uh, We have literally sat and talked for the last few minutes for the first time. So Matt, thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. I've heard so much about you as we've previously talked about from uh, my pastor, Chris. So just out of curiosity, we pray for you and your church very regularly. Um, so it's nice, again, to have a face to mm-hmm. go with those prayers now. Um, so how do you know Chris? How did kind of y'all's
1: relationship start? Um, we'll, we'll start there. This is embarrassing to say, but I can't remember how I <laughs> met Chris. <laughs> so we're off to a good start. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I may have—there uh, was, was a pastor's fellowship, I think, that we may have been a part of several years ago. And that may be may have been the start of it, and we kind of saw each other answering things, and we're like, "Hey, I see things the way you see them," mm-hmm. and then it's like, "Let's go have lunch," and right. one thing led to another, and then cool. there are people here at my church that have been with him at other churches that they've been in the past before he was at Ocean Park, so I see. there's a whole bunch of connections. I see,
0: okay, that's cool.
1: But I do love Chris, even though I'm not sure how (laughs) I met him. (laughs) I'll have to bring that up to him, and uh, we'll see what he says. Maybe he doesn't remember, I don't know, but (laughs) he'll he'll remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the, I didn't mention this before, so this is kind of on the spot, but one of the things I love to ask uh, pastors out the gate is just to kind of explain kind of your testimony, kind of Mm -hmm. how you came to repentance and faith in christ and from that point kind of what your journey looked like to be where you're at now at um is it community bible church community bible, yeah, bible. Community okay. bible church of orange perfect Um uh, so kind of yeah what that story is,
1: is yeah. like for you yeah so uh, my dad uh was a pastor mm-hmm. uh, he was a pastor for 35-ish years something around there awesome. um so i grew up in a christian home And I grew up around church. Like, church was the central thing of our lives. And it was Mm -hmm. a little church in kind of a rural town in Ohio. And so our family did everything. And so I mowed the lawn at the church. (laughs) We cleaned the bathrooms. (laughs) Nice. Uh, We did all of that stuff. So Christianity and church was a very big part of my life. Um. So I made a profession of faith when I was really small, mm-hmm. and I don't remember it. So I have memories of it, mm-hmm. yeah. But they're memories of my parents telling me about it. Yeah, I, I don't think they're actually my memories, um, which doesn't invalidate it. I just don't remember it, and you know, I think this is probably true for lots of kids that grow up in Christian homes. There's if you haven't outright rejected Christ, right? you're just kind of, you move, there's a process where you kind of move into owning faith for yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think, I think I was probably saved at a young age, even though I don't remember the moment. Sure, uh, But I do remember when I got older, uh, I can remember the day when uh I almost it was almost like a voice whispering in my ear like you know you don't have to do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um and it was almost it it wasn't audible but it was almost audible. And I think that was the first time I had ever realized, "Oh, I have a will too." <laughs> mm. I could I could do what I want. Mm. And um and so I kind of did but in a very non rebellious way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was only so much that I, I could do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so it was uh you know all through all through high school my heart was far from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh it was not something that I was interested in at all. Mm-hmm. Uh it was something that I thought was I thought Christianity is I thought being a Christian is something that you do, and it's a way of life where you have to do a bunch of things that you don't really want to do, mm-hmm. but you have to do them or you'll go to hell. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't taught to me. <laughs> no, right. Never would have been taught to me. Yeah, sure. But it's kind of what I caught. Mm. And so it wasn't until college, actually, that God started changing my heart. Mm. And it's, this is kind of a long story, but that I'll I'll shorten. Uh, but basically, right before I went to college, uh, I was going to go to a Christian college, and so I knew I knew like I was kind of coming up to a path of you're going to have to go your own way, or for real, or you're going to have to figure this out and turn towards the Lord. Mm. And so I prayed a prayer. And I told the Lord that I would give Him a chance.
0: <laughs> nice. And
1: I'm sure He was very appreciative yeah. of my graciousness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's where I was at. That's <laughs> so, so, funny. so I gave God a chance, uh, and for me that meant that meant I'm going to try to keep all the rules that I think I'm supposed to keep. Right. Mm and that everybody seems to want me to keep and I'm going to kind of double down on my efforts to do that uh, and the Lord met me in that mm. uh, rather than you know disdain for me praying such a an audacious prayer Yeah, <laughs> uh, he worked with it mm. and I ended up meeting a guy in Bible college like my the first week I was there, who had been a camp counselor of mine and remembered me from when I was like, no several years ago, wow. and he was a senior and I was a freshman and he met he saw me and he grabbed me and he's like, hey, I'm doing this Bible study, do you want to be part of it? And I was like, I, okay, I guess <laughs> yeah. since I'm trying to do this thing now, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but this guy made. I didn't have very many young people, younger people in my life. Like, everybody—I went to a Christian high school, and nobody was following Jesus. And so all the older kids that, you know, I looked up to, they were all going their own way. Mm -hmm. And this was a guy that wasn't, and wasn't ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. And that—it was like a plausibility structure for me that said, oh, maybe— this could be done.
0: <laughs> yeah, hmm.
1: And uh, so that that's kind of what started me actually understanding what the gospel was. Hmm. And so I don't—I I still think I was saved at a young age, but I think the Lord got my attention there kind of my freshman year of college. Yeah. And what started with me giving God a chance and trying to keep the rules turned into— a real relationship with the Lord that's, you know, continued mm. till now.
0: Amen. Amen. And when that happened, um, or I guess the road now to, to mm-hmm. where you're at, you know, um, at Community Bible Church, yeah. you know, did you go into other schooling or like, what did that look like? Yeah, you...
1: so I was a Bible major because going into college, I didn't know what else to do yeah and I was like okay my dad's been a pastor and I'm trying to do this thing so maybe I'll do it (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, and so I was a Bible major and uh, I never sensed a call to ministry so some people have a thing that there was a moment or there was a period of time or there was a service or whatever right right I didn't have that and still have not had that to this day i just kind of slowly i kept stepping forward and i kept stepping forward and things kept happening Mm -hmm. so i actually liked the bible classes and which is a little weird because going into pastoring was something i absolutely did not want to do i did not want to do it because i'd seen how difficult it had been for my dad uh, and he didn't do anything to you know there's there's classic pastor kid stuff where they got neglected uh, or that their 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 dad prioritized ministry over them and I didn't have that story so my my dad didn't give me a bad taste for it I just got a bad taste for it because my in my view of things which was still so works oriented and so yeah. transactional sure. i I thought okay if if my dad's gonna go. And give his life to pastoring in this little rural town where it's going to be hard basically our whole lives which it was yeah i in my mind i was like well god owes it to throw him a bone and at least make it a little easier yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't Mm. it was just hard Mm. and so in my mind it was if that's how it works i don't want to do that right Mm. yeah uh but God changed my heart through that, showed me that you're not in it for what you can get out of it. Right. And uh, I went through, went through school, I went to seminary up in the Detroit area. Okay. Uh, I was you know, full speed ahead on doing ministry stuff. And there was a, a moment uh, where I kind of realized I was idolizing ministry. I was on the way to a men's retreat with a bunch of other seminary guys and somebody put on a tim keller sermon Mm -hmm. um, and we were listening to it in the car while we were driving and he said something that i've you know has been a big theme if you know anything about keller and he said it basically an idol is anything that you would feel your life was a failure if you didn't have or didn't achieve Mm -hmm. and i don't remember anything about that men's retreat. I don't remember who spoke <laughs> at that men's retreat. I don't know what the activities were at that men's retreat. All I know is when he said that, I was sitting in the back seat and I was like, oh boy, mm. we have a problem. Mm. Because what, as soon as he said it, I thought, well, I've just spent nine years now, you know, five years of an MDiv, four years of, of Bible college. I've just spent nine years of my life And you're telling me that it might not happen? (laughs) Mm. Wow. And that was a moment where I had to say, I don't want to do this, but I guess I don't get to say, because I spent all this money and spent all this time, I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And that was tested when I got out of seminary. Because I got out of seminary thinking, okay, I've done all the stuff. Churches are going to come probably... There's probably going to be a competition.
0: <laughs> they uh, want to give you a chance. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to
1: like. I'm going to have to narrow this down somehow. Uh, but surprisingly, not a single church in the world—and I do mean world—wanted uh, me <laughs> to be there faster in any capacity. Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found hurtful. It's not funny. Yeah, yeah. it's not funny. I'm sorry. But oh uh, my gosh. So now I'm like, okay, I've just graduated. What am I going to do? Right. And I ended up connecting with a church plant. And this church plant had only been around two years. And the pastor of that church plant, his name is Ken Brown, he uh, found out I was looking around and said, you know, why don't you come here and basically get mentored? I'll stand you up in front of the congregation at the very beginning and say, this guy wants to go into pastoral ministry. He's going to be with us. So watch him. Mm. Uh, so so Ken poured a lot of practical ministry stuff into me. He gave me lots of opportunities to do things. The congregation watched, and I ended up receiving something from them that was a great gift, which is which was you know at the end of three or four years there, them saying, "We think that you should do this." Man, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's something that I've needed. <laughs> a few times because I think God knew that for me uh, I'm very suspicious of my internal did I really interpret that the right way so if I had received a call to ministry that was internal and strong I think I would have doubted it like I must have gotten this wrong and so there's been times where Mm -hmm. I can go back and say when I've thought I should not be doing this I can go back and say well wait a minute there was a group of people who said, we think you should. So you didn't just dream this up. Right. Um, and so I was there for several years. I'm making the story super long. No, it's fine. It's cool. Uh, was there, was there several years, ended up becoming an associate pastor there, but I was working part-time there and um, was looking for something full-time and doing a lead pastor. And so found this church. Um, through the Gospel Coalition site. Okay, cool. And they had no idea who I was. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea who they were. Yeah. And they delight in telling me that they had two piles of resumes, an A pile and a B pile. The A pile was all the people that they were working through that were prime candidates. or like 10 of them. And then their B pile was people who, I guess we'll get to these people if we go through all 10 of these prime <laughs> candidates. I'll let you guess which pile I was in and I'll narrow it down for you. It was in the A pile. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <That's cool>. go. <laughs> 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 but here we are yeah. <laughs> uh, And that was in 2014 So, okay. you know, in God's providence You know, almost 10 years later Yeah uh, God moved me out of the B pile and That's awesome, into the A
0: pile Yeah <laughs> that, That's so funny to put it that way Man, well thank you for sharing that That's really cool um, And I appreciate you, yeah uh, Opening up about even your past I know, I mentioned this on my last recording too Pastor's Kid, myself Mm -hmm. Um, and when I've had siblings who profess faith at a young age but as they got older came to that realization I am not Mm -hmm. this at all I need Jesus Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of transition from being in that spotlight as PK you know preacher's kid to I'm not a Christian and now I'm getting baptized by my dad who's been this pastor for so long yeah uh, that can always be kind of weird yep you know Mm -hmm. so I I appreciate you kind of sharing all that and you've mentioned being here now almost 10 years so what would you say is one of your favorite things about your Mm. local church here what's something that you just uh delight in Mm -hmm. about your your body here
1: i think one of the things that i love the most is basically our culture Uh, culture is something that's it's hard to put your finger on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to define. Uh but we frequently have people come in and visit with us, be around for a while and they'll say there's there's something here. Yeah. And I, I they can't necessarily put their finger on it. Mm. And I and I can't necessarily say, "Oh, it's this thing." Right. Like uh, I can't say, well, uh, we have the best musicians in Northeast Florida, <laughs> although we have some great musicians. I can't say that I'm the best preacher in Northeast Florida or that we have the most fantastic kids ministry. It's like you can't put your finger on and say, it's this one thing that brought us. Right. But there is a culture of grace that has caught on that we started trying to foster. I don't think you can. I don't think you can create culture. I think you can create the conditions. I think you can kill it. Um, and what I tell like leaders here is that, and and people that come into our church and join, uh, I'll tell them, okay, what you experienced doesn't just automatically keep going you have to now turn around and give that experience to others. Hmm. And so I think when people come here, for whatever reason we have, a lot of times people come here and they've had a really difficult church experience or something like that. Um, And they come here and I think they realize, without being able to put their finger on it or even somebody telling them, like it is okay to be at this church and to have a lot of problems.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: And I think people can sense that in our liturgy, in the, in the way we sing, in the way we preach, in the way that we talk to each other. Uh, I think people can sense that. And I think that's, that's cool. my favorite thing about us. That's cool. That's really cool.
0: Would you say... Um... Has that always been the case, you feel? Has that been something that may be in more recent history with kind of the more, uh, uh, I guess like church hurt mm-hmm. co- type mm-hmm. culture or mm-hmm. anything? Or has that kind of, do you feel like this, this place has just kind of, that's just organically been a part of?
1: I think, I think it, it comes out of some of our original experiences. So there's hurt in our own past in our own church history, mm-hmm. and there are people that were here when I came you know let's let's say sixty people that were here that had been through some really difficult things and they'd stuck with it, but they had been hurt and they just they had a desire for something mm-hmm. so I think I think w- you know, sometimes your brokenness or your difficulty is put into your face in a way that you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to either accept it and be yeah. built up or pretend. And I think people here were past that. Yeah. They wanted something real. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, that we did really, I mean, immediately upon getting here is in our old sanctuary... Um, I, I asked him if I could have nine weeks in a, of evening services in a row. We don't; they didn't have evening services then, and we still don't. But I said, "If I said uh, let's let's go through nine weeks, we would take all the chairs out, we put round tables in, so everybody's kind of sitting around. Sure. We went through this material um, called the Gospel Centered Community, and uh, Bob Thune is a guy that uh, I think that's how you say his name, but it, it might not be." <laughs> um, Guess I should have known that before the podcast. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, sorry, Bob. If you're listening, if it's Thune. Um, but uh, we went through that material and they just talked about what it means to be a gospel-centered church, and it was like it's an honest community, mm-hmm. it's a gracious community, and something happened with that group mm. where after it was over, you know, I had I had people telling me like I've never heard this before. Mm. I've never heard that church is a place where our expectations is that we're go- our expectation is that we're going to let each other down. Mm. So we're prepared for that. So when right. you do hurt me, I di- it's not like I didn't see it coming. Right, right. Uh, I think it started there, Cool. and then we've just tried to infuse everything yeah. with that. Yeah, and I didn't create it. You sure. can't create it. Sure just tried to foster foster a place where that could grow. Right. Like, try to create the conditions for it. Right. And people caught it and ran with it.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Praise God for that. Yeah, it's amazing how um, I feel when God's Word is taught um, faithfully about... Because, yeah, you mean even mentioned it in your story, just think about, I have to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And if, if that is the expectation you can't always do these things. So by nature, you're going to fail at these things. And when you can read the gospel and you see how we can't do these things, we need this grace. And Mm -hmm. when people um, experience that uh, forgiveness from God, how that can translate Mm -hmm. to, Hey, you're a fellow sinner like Mm -hmm. me who proclaimed Christ, but we're still going to sin and disappoint. And um, so to have that as a rock, Uh, for like a foundation for your, your congregation. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what would you say, um, on the kind of other side, you know, is there anything about your local church that maybe you want to see more growth Mm -hmm. or maturity Mm -hmm. change anything Mm -hmm. Uh, or your, I don't know if with your church, if y'all have like elders or anything, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. how, if there's anyone in leadership that y'all are kind of discussing about, Hey, we want to kind of see us move in this direction.
1: Yeah. uh, Uh, A few things come to mind. One is we've been asking ourselves the question as leaders, how can we disciple people specifically to fulfill our mission statement? So one of the things that's really clear at our church, because we talk about it a lot, a lot of people could spit it back out as Mm -hmm. our mission statement to develop worshipers of Jesus who are growing in the gospel and going with the gospel. Mm. And that's great. Yeah. Uh, But when you start drilling down, it's like, well, how? Right. That's a little bit more nebulous, and so one of the ways we specifically want to grow this year, what we've talking about, we've been talking about with our elders, and we've got, we've actually gathered a small team of people to work through this. Is okay? Let's flesh that out in concrete ways, so that in our our small groups from the pulpit, in just general discipleship, we're giving people a fleshed out picture of what exactly that looks like here. Right. And obviously you're not reinventing. I mean, the the wheel is the wheel. Yeah. You don't have to get a new wheel. Right. But it is helpful, I think, if people are all on the same page in a way that isn't super burdensome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because yes. sometimes it can be there here's the six thousand mm-hmm. things you need to do to it's like, well, I, I can't even start if it's this many things. Right. Yeah. But what if it was five things? And stuff grows out of that. But mm-hmm. if we focus on these five things, we believe that is gonna happen. You know, you're going to grow and our church is gonna go out with the with with the gospel. And so the other thing is connected to that is we wanna have more of a presence in our community. Mm. Um, you know, there's been so many times you know, we've, we've recently built a new building so now it's sticking right out on Blanding Boulevard yeah. that you have unfortunately had to drive down today
0: yeah. as a matter of fact I used to deliver for Amazon and okay. I picked up our packages at the Blanding okay. Boulevard okay. Uh, place so uh-huh. driving up here I was getting nervous and sweaty because yeah. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. anyway
1: you'll here. never probably Carry come on. here again this is probably <laughs> yeah. the only time I'll ever see you yeah. in these parts <laughs> yeah. it was so terrible <laughs> um But people would say, you know, I'd say, Community Bible Church, then where's that? So I'd say, it's, you know, here, and uh, there's no church there. Well, I mean, I go there a lot. It's there. (laughs) Yeah. That, you know, that's not a good look. That's not what you want. Mm -hmm. And we've been growing in that, but it's something that we want to to be Mm -hmm. involved in an even greater way. We want to have a presence so that people around us, when they have spiritual questions or needs they think of us right like that's what we want right right that's awesome
0: and do you feel like um that uh were you saying originally that that example is coming from you think the leadership like are you trying is that what you were getting at, like mm-hmm. fleshing that
1: out yes yeah, so,
0: like is that what you were saying yeah so okay. the
1: second part of our, our our mission statement is going with the gospel okay well what are some of all the things we could do because you're constantly bombarded with we could, this, we could do this, or we could do this, or we could do this. Well, why don't we just decide what we're, of all the good things that we could do, what are we going to do? Yeah. We've got, yeah. you know, a basket, we've got these eggs, we're going to put them in that basket. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what we want to work on. Right. Putting, yeah.
0: That's actually a great uh, analogy because my next question <laughs> uh, kind of involves um, putting hands and feet to, uh, a theological belief or mm-hmm. conviction that you uh, or your church has. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything that hey, we we believe this about the Bible, about Jesus, about God, and because of this belief, mm-hmm. this is what we do. Yeah, um, this is how we are um, influenced by this belief yeah. to to do something. Like, what would you kind yeah. of
1: put in those blanks? That's a that's a hard question. It sounds like an easy question. <laughs> not necessarily but yeah. it's a hard question because you know you can think of all these you can think of all these theological you know there's there's a church on every corner yeah so what theological distinctives do we have from church A or church B and how mm-hmm. does it, how does that affect us and it does you could look at ecclesiological uh, all kinds of ecclesiology Sure. Of and that governs why we run things the way we do. Um, but I think I hope this isn't a cheating answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Pastor Chris be the judge of this one. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say our understanding of the gospel, okay. Uh, and I'll I this is very important. Yes. So yeah, it's not cheating, I don't yeah. think. That's... You know, it's like what's it sounds it's it sounds like the Sunday school answer because you say what theological belief, okay, well, do it. What, what trinitarian views are shaping what we do? But on our website, one of the things that it says uh, on the front page over the over the picture is we are a community of believers centered on the gospel. And we are trying really hard to mean that, so uh gospel centered was a thing, and then it became a thing that you tagged on everything so that it maybe didn't mean anything anymore because mm-hmm. everything was gospel centered mm-hmm. um and so like as if it was more of
0: like a buzzword, yeah, it was more like, like like a
1: Keep your cred, you know. Yeah. We are a gospel-centered church, yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. Um, not like them, yeah, who yeah. are not gospel-centered. Yeah. Um, so, we want to, we really want the good news of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do, to influence everything we say, do think, our motivations. Mm-hmm. That's what we think it means to be gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. So the riches of the gospel inform everything I do, inform the way I think, even down to my very motivations. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm going to be preaching on this even this Sunday uh, from Titus 2, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about... Uh, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to yeah. all people, yeah. and it trains us yeah. to renounce ungodliness mm. and to live, you know, godly lives in this present age. So, so that's a, that's a Bible example of gospel centrality. Mm. If you're going to say no to the world and say yes to this, then then there are resources in the gospel that are going to train you for that. Right. Which isn't to say there aren't other things that, that help. But, so that's what, that's what we want to be thinking like that. And here's how I think it influences us. There are churches who are uh, built on their, their theological distinctives. I could get in trouble for saying this. I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. And, mm. and that's not bad. So mm. I am in no way... Casting stones at, at any of them. And we do have very specific theological distinctives. And we're, we're not hiding them. They're clear, they're in our doctrinal statement. We talk about them in our new members class. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily lead with our distinctives,
0: hmm.
1: we lead with the gospel. And we let the distinctives follow. Hmm. And what we're tra- and that, that might be just a function of what we're trying to do. Some people are trying to... Co- some churches... And again, none of this is criticizing. There's lots, of, there's lots of good ways of doing it. Correct. So some churches are trying to... Their thing is we're this, and so we're looking for the people that are that. So if you are... Hmm. If you like hmm. Anglican liturgy that's what we are or if you're a reformed baptist Mm -hmm. then you know what you're going to get with that and we're looking for people who are looking for that kind of church and the list goes on and none of those things are are necessarily bad the people that we're trying to reach though our profile of an ideal person that we want to reach is a person that doesn't necessarily have a set of distinctives in their mind so if you know what you're looking for and you find us, you'll say, oh, they're that. We, we want that. But mm-hmm. if you're Joe driving down the street and see our sign, we want you to be able to come in and not feel like the threshold is so high that I could only be here <laughs> if I if. already subscribe to this long right. list of things. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Or we'll let you here, but you gotta get up to speed pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah. So the centrality of the gospel and the basics of that is kind of the thing that we want to lead with. And it shows up in our preaching and in everything that we do so that you can know nothing or you can be the person that's sitting in the parking lot taking 15 minutes to get the courage to walk in. Right. And you're just going to get hit with the good news.
0: Right. Right. Mm.
1: And we believe that if we we get you with that. Yeah. We can disciple you further. Right. And there's probably people that would say, that's a terrible strategy. Um, and that's fine. But that's yeah. that's my answer.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm reminded. I think it's a great answer. I don't think you cheated, for the record. <laughs> You're not a cheater. I My mind goes to... Uh, I forget the passage, but uh, just the words, to know Christ and mm-hmm. Him crucified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that is... The ultimate to boast in nothing other than Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, I also went to a Christian school, and some of my least favorite people at the school were the Christian studies majors, because mm-hmm. they're now in their sophomore year and they know everything, and it becomes this like, it's fun to get angry and debate, yeah, and we're completely missing Christ and Him crucified. Right, um, we're boasting in this knowledge that we know from scriptures puffs up, yeah, and. Um, it doesn't help, uh, I don't think, the Christian witness to the outside world looking at. I don't think it goes towards the building up, mm-hmm. of what we see in Ephesians, to build mm-hmm. up one another. I, so I love your answer um, because, um, like you said, oftentimes what you get people with is what you're going to keep them with. Mm-hmm. And so if if it's the gospel that truly is drawing people to your church to worship Christ, I mean, who can blame you for yeah, that. You yeah. <laughs> Good. Like, Good. I mean, that's that's the, the goal. So I, I love that about it, that uh, um, keeping the gospel at the center of, and that's what I love about Ocean Park, where I go to church, is that mm-hmm. it is the scriptures and the gospel that is going to be sung. Um, we're going to recite creeds mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. together. We're going to mm-hmm. preach faithfully the gospel um, in our Sunday school classes, in the service, in our small groups, our prayer gatherings, like, so I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's very encouraging to, and this is one of the reasons we pray for you mm-hmm. um, is because you are a, um, how does he say it? Now I'm going to get in trouble. Um, His best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no that's no. not what you were looking for. <laughs> no, he, he said, uh, we pray for um, uh, like fellow gospel loving uh-huh. churches, mm-hmm. I think is how we say yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's good to know from yeah. your mouth, yeah. you are a gospel loving church. We are. And, We're praying for you. Thank you. We pray for you, uh, too. Yeah, (laughs) we appreciate that very, very much. So uh, the last thing I'll ask, and every pastor gets a different question at the end, and my point for asking you this question, one, it could be kind of funny, Mm -hmm. depending on how you choose to answer it, but also how important um, the congregation encouraging their pastor, Mm -hmm. Um, not pushing all the ministry work to him, Mm -hmm. but, hey, you faithfully labor and preach and teach God's Word. Um, So to kind of hear encouragement, genuine encouragement from your church members and uh, elders, uh, what is maybe a response to a sermon you've gotten, whether it's a wild, (laughs) like, you just got yelled at, either in person or through email, or maybe it was very humbling, encouraging. Uh You know, you can go either or both, whatever you want to do, Yeah, Um, but kind of with that backdrop of, you know... This is important and yeah, helpful yeah. for, if, hey, if you're listening, you're a church member, how you can kind of help
1: encourage yeah. your pastor. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll give you a humbling one. Uh, I, I'd preached a message several years ago, and I had a guy come up to me after, after church, and he said, Pastor, that was such a great sermon. And um, I kind of started to feel you know that warm feeling wash over me, of, like, <laughs> all right, you know, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and he followed it with, "Did you have extra time this week?" <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And the good feeling was gone. Yeah. <laughs> "Did you have more time this week?" Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I guess I should <laughs> guess I should spend more time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like it was like a to It was like he had no idea how insulting that was it went yeah. right over his head and I was like well, I had about the same time I always have I guess yeah. I just kind of got it right for once <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um you know but on that uh I I try to throw out the I try to throw out the highs and lows mm-hmm. uh, I've had a number of times where people have come up to me and told me it was the best sermon they've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And, and I in my mind I'm like, well, then you haven't heard much preaching. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way <laughs> that's the best sermon you've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and there's people, you know, there's people who are critical, usually not, you know, you'll get a comment every once in a while that's negative. Sure. Sometimes it's a long email. Um, or, or meeting with somebody that's, that's being critical and sometimes overly critical. So, mm-hmm. you're you're never as bad as people say you are. Yeah. And you're never as good as they say you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of have to cut out. You can't try to balance it out. You know, the, well, God, I got a really bad comment here, but this person said it was the best sermon they've ever heard, so, you know. Right, right. You can't play that game. Right. I think you have to have people in your life and in, in your ministry that are your trusted people hmm. that, because not everybody is, everyone has an opinion, but not everybody's opinion has the same weight. Sure. That's just truth. Makes sense. So I think you have to find... You know, of your leaders and trusted people, people who will, who have a qualified opinion that are willing to tell you when it's not good or when you said something that wasn't, uh, was unhelpful, mm. and rest in that you have a process basically for catching bad right. <laughs> and encouraging good. <laughs> sure. Um, hmm. Which I have. That's great. And that helps the highs and lows. As far as encouragement goes, I think I think you know when you first start in ministry people are very complimentary sure because they want to encourage you right and you get used to it and then they all stop and you think oh no you know is something happening and I think and it can throw you for a loop but i think it's actually a good thing that's happening because you're probably getting better and people are starting to just trust you hmm. and you're only at this point doing what you're expected to do hmm. you, you know does the person who delivers your mail get you know thanked every day yeah <laughs> no you're just doing your job right put the mail in the box, man, or woman. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's a version of that I think that we need to be okay with. Like, sure. this is what we want you to do, and we're glad you're doing it. Right. So keep it up. Right. Um, but it is, you know, if there's somebody listening, it does help sure. to say it. Sure. And to not just say that was a good sermon, because if your pastor is like me that is like well, what does that mean you know Mm -hmm. did i keep you awake today so it can be helpful to know if like was there a thought did you see jesus in that in some way right that's more helpful but really this is the thing that encourages me the most um and once again, I've given you a really long answer, but <laughs> no. I, I promise the plane is about care. to the plane. The plane is going to land. <laughs> yeah. It's like my 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 people on Sunday morning, like when is this going to be over? Um, this is the best yeah. answer I have ever heard. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> at least it's not the worst. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing that encourages me the most is when. So I believe that. I used to think, I used to put an incredible amount of pressure on myself every sermon. And I used to go into every sermon thinking, this is the one. This is the one that's going to flip everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to change everything. Yeah. And it never did. <laughs> never have preached one that changed everything. <laughs> um, and then I came to realize, you know, preaching is like, if you eat, if you eat one healthy meal... Uh, that's not going to be life-changing for you if you eat a lot of junk. Mm -hmm. But if you eat healthy meal after healthy meal after healthy meal after healthy meal meal for 20 years, you're going to be healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, barring other things. And I think it's that way with preaching. If I preach the Bible, if Jesus is the hero, the gospel is central, and you're here a long time, then it's going to have a cumulative effect that's going to be exponentially greater than one great sermon. Sure. And when I've been here going on 10 years, so just long enough, and I mean this, just long enough to start hearing people say things that I've said, but they're not attributing it to me. Hmm. And they're not thinking... About me. Which means they're just getting it. Right. And that makes me think, okay, we're on the right track here. Mm. Because they're owning it. It's a part of them. Right. They don't think, well, somebody said this. It's just a part of their spiritual DNA. And I think that's where we want to be. Mm. So a little encouragement goes a long way. So if you're listening, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, that's where it's at.
0: Right. That's really cool. That's a very... um Unique answer, um, but I like the analogy of the food Mm -hmm. because um, I can't tell you every single sermon my dad's I've ever sat under. Mm -hmm. Um, He has faithfully preached the gospel for decades. Yeah, mine Um, too. But you're right. I I probably say things all the time. I mean, my dad used to say stuff like "sin will make you stupid." Mm -hmm. Like he says that. Mm -hmm. He said that, and I said that to someone the other day. I was just like. (laughs) I am, I am my dad <laughs> like Ken is this you but uh, um, yeah it's true though and even since being at Ocean Park um, hearing Chris preach there are things that you know I've never thought of I have heard this book preached I don't know mm-hmm. how many times in my life mm-hmm. but hmm, you're preaching through Isaiah right now and I'm like picking up on things that hmm, that's really I probably couldn't spit them off right now but like Looking to Christ through the lens of mm-hmm. this is like really fascinating. You've changed and by it's, it. Yeah, it's helpful. And it's like, hm. So I think you're right. It's not like you can be super malnourished and eat one meal and all of a sudden you're good to go. Right. But this process of growth in Christ um, from one degree. Yep, one going degree to, going to another, another. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to put heads and feet to that. Even that, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with what you're saying of just being. Faithful, if you don't, you know, get the applause after every single sermon, I'm sure it is easy at times to feel deflated. I've, I know, I've seen that mm-hmm. before, um, but to, to see the the word of God preached, shape, and I mean, that's the best news. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you so mm-hmm. much, man. This has been awesome. I really yeah. appreciate your you. your time again. I was like an hour and a half late because of uh, insane traffic. <laughs> so. <laughs> I literally didn't think I was ever going to make it. I was like, this guy is going to be so, so upset. Um, but
1: I, I was yeah, able, I so. was very upset, but I was able to come down in <laughs> yeah. time for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, if so, I appreciate <laughs> it very much. No, it's been uh, a pleasure. It's
0: been a blessing to me. And now it's, it, even this conversation, when our church prays for you, I'm going to think back mm-hmm. to this and it's cool to look at you in the eyes mm-hmm. and. No, I'm, I'm the brother I'm praying for and I've heard so much about so it really is a great honor to meet you and as you labor for the gospel you know you've got Ocean Park uh, lifting you guys up so. that's really encouraging so, thank you absolutely thank you again yeah. for your time
1: yeah blessings